Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinterklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. Today's guest is Kristen Hankey. Kristen's a sex coach. She works in the field of embodied sexuality, focusing on unraveling societal, cultural, and religious conditioning. She helps women shift their paradigm toward a more embodied sexuality. Kristen is also the co-host and founder of the Nothing Confidential podcast on which she works to normalize conversations around sex, sexuality, and pleasure. She's a multi-passionate creatrix, mama, and matcha snob. Welcome, Kristen Hankey. <laughs> How's it going, dudes? We're doing great. great. Kristen, you know what's funny is like the, the moment we have a person on here, and I'm going to go ahead and say a woman that is like kind of polished, like someone's like, you know, kind put of. some effort into the way they look. We're, Daniel and I are like, what the fuck? We look like just like... <laughs> Just dogs. Like we Oh well. If it makes you feel better, um, I only did this because I thought there might be video proof somewhere one day and I wanted to cover my ass. That's I it. decided to like actually change out of sweatpants and into <laughs> jeans, even though no one's gonna see them. I'm like I appreciate your cardigan. I do. This is my uh this comes out at Christmas time. That's it. That's all I Perfect. can do. It's festive. Yeah. It's festive. Uh so we were already recording and and um I do the intro before, and then we yeah. just are rolling. We're just Perfect. rolling. Great. So this, uh, Chris, this is Daniel. Daniel has been a friend of mine for 10 years. He's probably my first friend here in Portland. Uh, he's a journalist by trade and by, by design. I don't know. Uh, um, by design? By design. <laughs> Human by design, potentially. Yeah. yeah. And Human design. Yeah. And he's, been, he's working on a book. We're in a writing group together. He's an artist. That's one of his paintings in the background. And uh, a great storyteller, um, Daniel. This is Kristen. Kristen Hankey is a you know the hostess with the mostest, the guide on the side. Mistress, mistress. What was the priestess part? That was, that was my oh, favorite. Was mistress part. of ceremonies. Mistress of ceremonies. Yeah. So oh, I always man. thought I was like it's kind of like a ringleader title, like a like a a ringmaster of like a circus or something. Hundred percent feels good. That's feels good. good. That's good. Do the MC introducing themselves. It's great. Exactly. That's yeah. good. So, Christo, <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, and tell us a little bit why, uh, who you are, what you do, and how you got to here to this day. And we're going to pepper you with questions as we go along. Perfect. I was like, cause that's a, that's a broad range of, of mm-hmm. items to cover. So just start uh, with like who you are. Sure. Who I am. I'm, I'm Kristen Henke as Ron has already stated, pleased to be here. Excited to chat with you guys. I am a sex coach by trade, which sounds a little more simple than it is. I feel like people expect me to show up with a cucumber and a condom when we meet on video for the first time. And it's, it's a little more in depth than that. I was going to ask you about that. Cause, <laughs> cause my wife is in a similar background and and I think a lot of, you know, somebody was trying to get her to, to like, to relabel her job title as a sex whisperer. A she's sex like, what? Whisperer. She's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. there are horse whisperers because a horse is a thing, but sex whisperer, like, yeah. Um, I'm like, if some, if I'm paying someone to give me advice about my sex life, I would like the light on, and I would like you to use your full volume. Like, I don't want you to whisper anything about sex to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
The noted, noted. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no sweet nothings over here. And I'm yeah. not crying. I'm not crying, guys, yet. I have a vegan mascara I'm trying out, and it is, um, it's not going to make the cut. It burns no. my eyes. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. No. Okay. Okay. So but don't you, get, don't get yeah, that. Don't, don't get that. I'm not going to name it, though, because the woman who does it is, she has great intentions and she's doing good things in the world. So hopefully they'll work that formula out. So I'll speaking of intentions, so I think we were just talking about this before we jumped on. The intent of our sexuality is often, it has the best intentions. And somewhere in there, we get a lot of fear, guilt, and shame attached to it. Is that part why you started this path for yourself? Partly why you started this path for yourself? Oh, yeah. That's 100%. That's all of why I started this path for myself. It was because I grew up uh, similar to you, Ron, and I'm not sure about you, Daniel, but definitely Bible Belt in the South. Uh, so specifically, very, a specific brand of religious, kind of patriarchal mixed with like good old boy um, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot of different layers that contributed to the shame and the fear and the guilt that you're talking about, Ron. And they were coming from a lot of different directions. And I couldn't understand, even as a kid, I couldn't understand why something that was so bad was like the thing that everybody was talking about. Even though they were talking about the fact that it was bad, mm-hmm. it was continually at the forefront of discussion. The, they were addressing it in sermons. They were talking about it in youth group. They were talking about it all over the place. And I couldn't understand really just why something so fascinating, like it got so many people hung up. And I was like, how can this be like, what's the deal with this? What is the truth about this? Because it felt like they were working too hard to put everyone off of it. Mm-hmm. My experience in that same world saw... The majority of my church leaders, senior pastors in particular, have an affair at some point. And some of them were spectacular. Like the spectacular ones were, are kind of my favorite, like the involving meth, prostitution, Good. gay prostitutes. Like, like it's, you know, there, there's the phrase what you, um, Oh gosh, what is what is uh, our man uh, Carl Jung? Are we going to struggle through a Carl Jung quote? No, 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 okay. no. Campbell. <laughs> oh, Campbell. No, I wasn't even. Th- Campbell. Yeah, I was just thinking what you like. Supp- what what is it? What you suppress? What you repress? What you deny? I forget. I what mean, you resist persists. That's the that thank one. you, God. Thank you so much. Thank you. Essentially, so much. yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Uh, what you resist persists. I think that's part of the problem. I mean, I, 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 so I, I'm going to tell you my virginity story. And (laughs) so like a lot, this is going to kind of probably weird you the fuck out, Daniel. This is a, this is a weird experience in the culture that, that Chris and I come from. There are these different, these different movements to, to create purity. And I'm using air quotes, chastity, Mm -hmm. chastity, um, there are these ceremonies where uh, dads give their daughters rings that, oh, that they use to promise, yeah, to promise to keep their virginity. Um, and and you know what's waits. funny is like these are men who probably like. Oh, they all had premarital sex of all. And I, and I also want to say like these are like if you can just take away the labels, they're regular dudes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what we were trying. Well, what was happening to us as teenagers, we were regular teenagers, no more, no less. 
in what was happening sexually or, or our desires or anything like that. But now we have the confines of this is how you have to do it. And if you jump out of this box, then you're broken and you're, you're messed up and you just get loads of fear, guilt, and shame. So I had a similar experience with my mom and my stepdad who um, had me sign a contract when I was like 14 years old, freshman in high school to not have sex until I was married. And, and by the end of the week, I had lost my virginity. Like, I don't remember. And that wasn't because I was trying. It wasn't because I was like, screw this. I, here I go. Like it, like, you know, this, I'm still contacting this girl and God bless her. Like, this girl was probably just as hormone driven as any normal teenage girl. And she's like banging on my door and, and like, we'd never hung out. And like within a day we're having, you know, two, two, three days we're having sex. And, and I remember like looking at the sign, the sign on my wall, it was a contract like framed. Why the hell my parents framed that. And they thought it would help, I guess. I guess. Right. And just thinking like waiting for like, the earth to split open and swallow us. And, and it didn't, I was like, this is amazing that I'm not dying, I'm not burning. And, yeah. but here's, here's what I'm getting to. What I realized in that moment was that I didn't resist anymore. I didn't resist sex. I did. I let myself do whatever I wanted from then on. I was still a person of faith. Like I still, I still had faith. I wanted to be to believe I still have some kind of faith. But what I realized is, is because I didn't deny that part of myself, I had way less shame and also way less um, compulsions, Mm -hmm. uncontrollable actions around my sex life. Yeah. Well, you weren't like jacking off in the dark and then repenting every Sunday because you like, well, maybe a little, express. But... <laughs> I mean, sure. but you couldn't express, you know, there's that like pent up, like, Oh my God. And it's all these guys who are tagged with the label of like porn addiction. If someone yeah. ever finds them with a JC Penney catalog in the underwear section and you're like, okay, kid, like that's, yeah. you know, and to your point, there was nothing diabolical about the way that I grew up. And it's so interesting. Like me as a person, as a, yeah. as a teenager, it's hysterical for me to think about now because I have so much compassion and also uh, humor for the situation because I was really demonized by, you know, my mother, my uh, homeschool association, the church, et cetera, for my overt sexual energy that I had no clue like what it was, how to control it. It's just was something that, that a I label had. that they said, like was the overt. Oh no, the Bible energy. version of that, the Bible version of that is that I had a spirit of Jezebel on me that I needed to watch out for. That's Bible speak for overt sexuality that we're terrified of. Dude, so, that is some like yeah. Daniel's probably like, what the fuck are you He's guys like, talking what is about? Going on? Because if you didn't grow up, do you think this is the first time? Like, t- hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure this is not the first time you've heard about this. I mean, yeah, you I don't. A I would be shocked if anything that was said today weirded me out. Yeah. Well, it's and not that it weirds you out. So it's just like going to weird him out. It's it's like it's oddly specific language. Like the spirit of Jezebel is like is Christianese for church. That girl is hot and she is sexual and she uses her power for. To turn to send men straight to hell, like it's yeah. a deep plan. And I will go ahead and share since you went ahead and outed me as a woman. My experience <laughs> is yours was uh, like next yours was actually different. Being a woman in the church, there yeah. is a slight difference in how 
this comes about. And I love that you shared. Well, yeah, it's not slight. I was being dramatic. (laughs) There is a huge difference in how we're even allowed to think about ourselves, our worth, our sexuality after our virginity is lost versus you. You Mm. literally just stated that you had sex. And once you kind of gave into the urges, you were able to chill out and like actually focus on being a man of faith. Whereas girls, women are told Mm. from day one in this in this culture, that your virginity is the sole core of your worth. It is the number one gift you have to offer your future husband, your relationship. Like it determines if you are a good person. It determines if you're a good wife, if you're going to be a good mother, if you're going to be able to serve the Lord appropriately. Like all of these things are tied up in it. And so if you lose your virginity, you are literally a crumpled up, like dirty like cast out essentially. And you are lucky. You are lucky if you are redeemed by a man who is willing to accept you, even though you gave away the ultimate gift before you met him. And because of that, that languaging, like these are things that are said to you because of this languaging, because of the energy around that. I actually, my experience is when I actually played by the rules, despite the fact that I was a Jezebel and everybody said all these things about me. I didn't have sex until I was 19 years old. Like I did not have sex in high school. I did not, I was not messing around. Like I literally saw my first penis at 16 and it was the same guy that I made out with. Like we French kissed, but we didn't do anything else. And meanwhile, my mom's like, you're going to get pregnant every time I leave the house. And I was not doing anything. Like I was making out with my boyfriend in the closet, literally in the closet. And that was all no more, no less. And when I was 19, I had sex with a guy I was engaged to. And let's talk about how we also get engaged prematurely because we have hot pants and we're trying to like keep things in, in the row. And so I was engaged to this guy. We had sex and I was like, Oh, like I did the bargaining thing. I was like, well, we're going to get married. So the story is still okay because technically I've only had sex with my husband. Like if I marry him, I have only had sex with my husband and that's still sweet. And I'm pretty sure God will like Give me a little pass on that. (laughs) Turns out he was a dickhole and I didn't want to marry him. And so then I'm like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Like my worth, my whole sense of worth, my direct connection to God is actually gone. So instead of me being able to just relax because I finally had sex and go back to being a person of faith, I decided to leave the church because I didn't think that I belonged there and there was no place for me there anymore. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So the outcome of the same thing, very different. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very, it, You very essentially different. left the church. Yeah, I decided like when I was 19 after that, I was like, you know what? If I can't, like, I can't go back because I see how they treat women who have had sex outside of marriage. I don't mm-hmm. want to be preached to by people that I quickly figured out are all fucking having sex and repenting every other week. Yeah. They're all hypocrites. Like my, I think I was 15 when I realized that my youth pastors who were leading our love, our true love weights conference every weekend, they were banging each other. Yeah. I, I, I had like, sex with it with one of my female church leaders. Like, right, like, like yeah. she was like a fucking adult and I was not an adult. And yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was. It oh, was well, my male adult leader touched me inappropriately and I like blew the lid off of that and never like have never literally seen him again. But that's oh, something shit. very common that happens, like really fucking common. It really is. It very yeah. is. And I can tell that you're uh, fucking pissed off as you should be oh, about yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Um, so then what happened? Like you, you hit the ejector seat. 
mm-hmm. from that world. Yeah. And where did you go? So I, and I don't mean what, career wise. I mean, Oh yeah. Like, no, where did I go? Like in yeah, life, what was I yeah, doing? Yeah. I literally began my, what I refer to as my sexual liberation tour, which is where I was like, Oh, the cat's literally out of the bag. She ain't going back in. So I don't go to church anymore. I don't have any reason not to see what all the fuss is about. And I went from that relationship into another serious relationship. It wasn't meant to be serious, but it ended up being serious with a much older man that was actually super empowering for me. It was where Mm -hmm. I learned a lot more about my body, about what sex is actually supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. And it is a it is an event and a relationship that I am to this day incredibly grateful for. There was this kind of uh, awakening, you know, of my like adult, like of the adult feminine. It was like a blossoming process. And he held a really safe, empowering space for me to do that. And things might've looked different if I didn't have that like first stop before I kind of continued on. But essentially, you know, the, the breakdown of the relationship was after a certain period of time, because he was so much older than me, he was basically like, well, you don't, you've only been with one other person. You don't really know what you want. I feel like you're going to resent me or regret me if I stand in the way of you, like experiencing more life. So you essentially need to like go experience more life. And so that's when I went out and just started kind of, you know, not, uh, I wasn't on like a rampage, but if it presented itself, which it did fairly often, I'd be like, all right. Like if I felt good about it, if I liked it, if I was into it, like I would, I would go for it. And again, yeah, sure. Daniel, just before you move on from the, that first older Mm -hmm. man situation that was safe, can you describe the safety and what that looked like and maybe what it allowed you to do? Mm, Yeah. Thank you. I love that question. So for one, he Uh, found me incredibly attractive and was very gifted in the art of words of affirmation. And so he constantly spoke into me, not only about just my, how beautiful my body was and, uh, and like how perfect my body was exactly like it was, despite all of my like 20 year old, like hangups about what things looked like or didn't look like he celebrated and worshiped my physical form but also constantly spoke to how smart I was and how funny I was and how just like my, my energy and charisma. And he would just say things to me that I was used to being penalized for or like brought down for. And it made me, it like helped me understand that it was okay to be all of me, to, you know, use the sharp wit that I enjoy to kind of like banter back and forth, to speak up about things that I didn't agree with or think were right. And these are qualities that are not valued in women in the traditional, like religious culture. And I question everything. I've always been that way. I was very hard on my mother to raise and being a mother myself. Now I can only imagine, and I have so much compassion for all of that. She did the best she could with what she knew and what she had. Um, but I'm sure I was a freaking nightmare. Like I came out with a, a very innate sense, like an inner wisdom. And I didn't trust what anybody told me more than that, more than like um, that voice and that sense. And that was from, I can identify that from being, you know, seven, eight, nine, wow, and feeling like wow. the things people were saying around me, the authority figures, that those things either weren't true or that they didn't resonate with me or they didn't feel right somehow. And so, so with that with that guy, mm-hmm. um, did you feel a separation in a good way from the fear, guilt, and shame from the culture you had come from around your sexuality? I did, I did because he 
was somebody who during the time we were with each other, he was trustworthy. He was someone who I could say what I needed and wanted, and he would respond in the way that one should respond. He didn't like take in life him. in general or in, in sex general, specific in sex and in life in sex yeah. and in life. And that's why I think it was so, um, like nourishing because I was able to speak up in life and he would respond appropriately, which then led me to feeling empowered. I knew that if I needed to say something in sex, he would take that well. And so he was very respectful of me and he uh, asked me questions. He pursued information from me. He wanted to know how he could make me feel good, how he could make me feel beautiful, how he could make me feel, you know, all of these different ways. And that is an experience that I would I want every woman to have? I mean, everybody, every person deserves to feel that way, to be seen and respected and listened to. Like he really listened to me. And I think the biggest disconnect um, for me as a child, like being who I was all along and growing up in an environment like that is that I often felt that I wasn't seen and that I wasn't heard. Yeah. I think one of the things that is, is so astounding about the power of communication, the power of listening is that in the culture you and I come from, there isn't communication because we're trying to like get it under the radar. Like there's this idea that if we don't talk about it, if we don't discuss it and just let the the physical things collide, maybe we can get away with this. Maybe we can uh, not acknowledge it. It's almost like a split of your conscious and subconscious, like dealing with with what's going on. And that leads to people doing dumb shit. Yeah. Thinking that they're still a virgin or thinking they're not having sex and they're, they're engaging in like weird, you know, weird, like a disconnection, like they're, like they're, they're calling hand jobs and oral sex and, and anal sex and, and, you know, all other manners of like, right. Everything kinds of wacky penetration is like acceptable under this, like gray area umbrella. And you're like, you don't think think God knows the difference between those things. Like you think you're tricking him by using different language. (laughs) Or to think that your own um, subconscious doesn't recognize that as sex. Like that's bonkers. It's totally bonkers. Well, part of the problem also on top of, and this is what I mean by the layers. And this is why I have a job to be honest. It's like, there's a million layers. And part of it is that just the patriarchal society alone, which Western religion is heavily based in, let's be honest, like because of how sexual education has been throughout the years, no other form of sexual interaction other than penis and vagina penetration is actually called sex. They'll call it anal stimulation. They'll call it, you know, oral this or whatever, but like for a very long time, nothing else was recognized. And again, um, the only requirement or the, the main crooks of, of sex was virginity essentially was like this, this is sex. Like once you have done this, like that sex and nothing else is. And so that was created by our culture and by how we educate about these things. And what's interesting you know. too, about that first experience or what was his name? Uh, like just first name. You, you don't have to say his like actual name. Oh, my, the older, my older partner. Yeah. Yeah. Sean. Yeah. Sean. Sean. Mm-hmm. What, what sound, what kind of strikes me about that too, is that it pretty quickly, maybe is some you, you recognize in retrospect more than you did, but I imagine you did in, even then too, was that, the sexuality was connected to how 
things that were outside of the bedroom mm-hmm. and all day long and, and they had nothing to do with sex. And so that line between, between what is, and I know for both of you, this is like very common knowledge for me. These are things that I'm, you know, it, recognizing more through life and integrating as I go on, but that attraction, that safety, that, um, that a playful lack of safety, like playfulness, all of that that occurs in the day outside of the bedroom supports, informs, affects, Mm -hmm. and understanding Mm -hmm. that. I remember the first time you mentioned that Ronald, which I think you've only mentioned that to me once it, it, uh, I was like, man, and I'm just, this was like five or six years ago. And I just thought, whew, I was in a relationship. It kind of sounds like a lot of work, you know? (laughs) And like, I would, I would never say that now it actually is an opportunity. And it, what's fun, funny is that for me, it's brought sexuality into the rest of the day, as opposed Mm -hmm. to bringing the rest of the day to get an end to the sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's brought sexuality into the whole day between me Mm -hmm. and whoever I'm talking with and interacting with. And it's actually really nice. Yeah. 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 And that's exactly where I end up doing the bulk of my work, which, you know, people don't, they don't know until they get into it, that essentially I'm addressing all of the outside factors that are impacting you in the bedroom. I don't ever start in the bedroom. Like we start, we start in the kitchen and in the living room and in like on the porch, like we start all around and we work our way in because for a lot of women, uh, I mean, I think everybody who handles, but I obviously work exclusively with women. They experience uh, anxiety. There's a lot of hangups. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of things associated with the bedroom. And they think that's where they need to start because that's where they're suffering, but they're suffering there because of problems elsewhere. It's a symptom. Yeah, it is. And so it's, it's fixing that. And so much of it, I think a lot of women come even thinking that it's their relationship and there are often elements, there are things that the partner can take responsibility for that the partner could communicate differently. But the majority of the women that I work with have loving, supportive, maybe a little clueless partners. And a lot <laughs> of it is that they though they themselves are not in touch with their desires. They don't know what they want. They don't know how to ask for what they want. And that's because a lot of them come off of this same circuit that Ron and I are talking about where it wasn't okay to ask questions. It wasn't even okay to explore your own body. Masturbation, or what I refer to with my women as self-pleasure, because it feels different and has less of a stigma to it, that was a sin. That was something you weren't supposed to do. And so you didn't have the space or the safety or the permission to explore pleasure for yourself. And then you end up getting married or making it to the altar barely with virginity intact, or maybe not. And then all of a sudden you're expected to like turn sexuality on after years and years of having cold water dumped on you and being traumatized and told to shut it down, lock it up, don't bring it out ever. And then you get married and wedding night, you're supposed to morph into this like sexual deviant in the bedroom and know exactly how to pleasure your husband and exactly how to give good head and like have multiple orgasms and all this stuff. And they're so out of touch with their body that they have no idea where to begin. And so the process, the chronic process of shutdown, withdrawal, disembodiment begins. I've noticed that that it happens to men too, or it's happened to men as well. Mm -hmm. And I think they can go um, a couple of broad ways and I'll just 
you know, use some broad strokes on this. And one is uh-huh. for men is strokes. I get it. Said, yeah. Thanks for the laugh. <laughs> it was a pity laugh. Don't worry. Of course they're broad strokes, Ronald. Of course they're broad strokes. They can't be thin strokes. Gosh. Uh, is one is like for men in particular, maybe I won't even say men, but for people who are more have higher sexual drives. Yes. It can go into what feels like sexual deviancy if it's kept secret, if it's kept in the dark, if it's kept, you know, hidden. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get the pastors who, um, you know. Yeah, who are part become, of drug and prostitute rings. And yeah, yeah, They're yeah, on the yeah. pulpit saying, don't do it, but then they're repressed self. Dude, I had a friend, I had the these world. two girls in high school who were pastor's kids and their dad like used all, I mean, all, I mean, a hundred percent of all of the money from the church for meth and prostitutes. Yeah. And, and you know, the crazy thing is, is like that dude's probably younger than I am now. Right. Like, and to think that at 40, I'm like finally getting some effort and discipline in my life to like, you know, just do exercises. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And to think a poor guy, like is just has no skills. Like he had no skills. He had no acknowledgement of, Mm. of this stuff in his life. And of course, yeah, of course that'd be crazy. So then the other side of that is even with men, is I see exactly what you just described, which is the fear of their sexuality coming out in any way. And so it gets completely shut down. And then when it is required, when it's being asked upon, when they they are, should be in a safe place with their partner for both, you know, whether they're, they're gay or, or straight, it doesn't matter. Uh, they have a really difficult time connecting because of the years of of being told that it's not okay, yeah. and and it's really like stifled. And so, what you're doing and what I do, but what you're doing in particular around this, because uh, is is you're deprogramming and reprogramming, right? Is that a safe yeah. thing to yeah. say? Yeah, absolutely. It's def- it's definitely a an extended. See it unlearning. It's a yeah. lot of unlearning and then re-educating with facts, with information we didn't have access to the first yeah. time around, uh, with collective experiences. I think something that's so important, and this is one of the reasons why I work primarily, and I'm I had kind of explored other ways of working with women, but I'm coming back to you in 2021. I work in small groups, like little groups, not like 10, 12, like six, seven women. And I have a few one-on-one clients, but the reason I like to work in those small groups is because the small number ensures intimacy, safety. It, mm-hmm. it feels safe. You get too big and it starts to feel like, oh, maybe I, I won't say anything and people right. start to hide. But what happens is these women are opening up about things that they have felt this deep sense of shame and isolation about. And then the second somebody says something like we've all had that experience. The second somebody finally comes forward and it's like, I had this experience. It happened to me. This is how I feel. I think I'm uniquely broken. And then like everybody else in the room is really quickly like, no, no, no. Like that happened to me. I I did that. That happened to me. I experienced that. And that is a huge part of the of the healing. And one of uh, my mentors, Dr. Valerie Rain talks about how like the patriarchy, the cultural religious structure that we have all kind of suffered under 
it's such a collective wounding that there is particular powerful medicine in healing collectively as well. Yeah. And it's a pervasive thing. I've heard a few different stats about this, but it, it, it comes down to one in five people. I think this is a, this is a, an average between men and women, because I think women have a higher rate than men. And it's somewhere like in one in four for women. And that is they've had an unwanted sexual contact. Yeah. At some yeah. point in their life. And especially when they're young, especially yeah. when they're young. Yeah. When they feel like they don't have a voice, when they feel powerless, yeah. when they have been programmed from day one, that you're to yeah. be seen and not heard. Yeah. And in the Patreon and, and, and because of the puritanical patriarchal society that we live in, it already is a, it's already a problem. But then if you come from any kind of religious group, and that's not just, we can, you know, we could pick on anybody that has any kind of religious weight to sexuality. So we can, we can go anywhere. And, and there's still, you know, terrible things happening around the world where a woman gets raped and it's like, well, she should die because now she's in Yeah, because she's defiled. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't, thankfully we haven't experienced that in our culture, but we feel that we are experiencing it in the sense that you're pushed out. You're no longer in the group. You're no longer allowed. I mean, I think, you know, to bring a little lightness and humor, I remember, you know, coming home from a summer camp with, with my youth group. And, and there was a girl in my, in my youth group who was a very funny, very funny girl. And we were laughing about how one of the church leaders, this older lady talked about uh, God healing her virginity like 20 times. And I mean, but it was a joke. And it was, you know, the joke was like, you know, God can restore your virginity a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he restored mine a lot. It's also called Kegels. And- did you, did you, when you, after that time with Sean, that was his mm-hmm. name? Yeah. After that time with Sean, did you begin to, after that, which I think was a beautiful way to end that relationship, by the way, yeah. on his part. Yeah, I was way to go, the same dude. thing. Way to go. What a man. Because you said he was extremely attracted to you, right? Yeah. So yeah. like for him to... And maybe it, maybe it was more nuanced than this, yeah. but <laughs> I was like, before we go singing yeah. his praises, yeah. um, no, he, he was like, it, there's, there's always an, and so he was phenomenal. He was an incredible teacher, lover, friend, confidant, empowerer of Kristen. And I'm so grateful. He also was suffering his own deep wounding from a long-term marriage that had ended very um, recently when we met. And there was a lot of unprocessed that was going on that really impacted his ability to recommit, essentially. Because I am this, like, old soul, serious, intense, you know, (laughs) 20-something. And I I know for a fact, especially looking back now, like, having hit 30, I'm, like, looking back, and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to be the rebound that didn't end. Like, I was Mm. supposed to be the quick, fun, young, blonde thing, and we ended up being madly in love and together for, like, three years. Like, off and on, three years. Mm. Lots of integration. And I don't think that was his plan. I don't think it was supposed to go that way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, towards the end of three years, like being who I am, I'm kind of like, hey, I'm madly in love with you. I'm ready to like hang out and kind of mother your children who are the same age as my youngest siblings and like make a go of this and like maybe not have a baby on my own because I love you and I see a future with you and I want to be with you. And he was like, I think you're going to wake up in 10 years and you're going to hate me for stealing your youth and not giving you a child and all of these things. So really the fear of the future. Do you think he was was right? The ultimate demise. 
I, it's hard to say that because I would have a different life. I would have a really different life, but, and you know, and I can say that knowing that I have married somebody who is a phenomenal match in every way, who challenges Mm -hmm. me, who loves me, who has a great sense of humor, who is hot as hell. We have made a perfect child together who I cannot imagine life without. And so you can't, I mean, I can't miss something that well, I, what I mean is, had, I don't but, mean like, do you think he was right in the sense that you guys weren't made f- f- together? But I mean, do you think he was right in that you would have resented it? And the reason I ask is because mm-hmm. of how often I meet couples who've been together a long time, mm-hmm. f- who come from religious backgrounds who do resent each other. Mm-hmm. Or there's some there's some seed of resentment because like they they see the outside and go man I didn't get to experience that I didn't get to yeah and I don't I don't want to cheapen it by saying like sow my wild oats or something like yeah. that yeah but there is I think this there is value in allowing yourself to grow differentiated from anybody else mm-hmm. without without needing the attachment. To you don't need them for your wholeness. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I think maybe what you're getting at and what I will a hundred percent agree with is that when we broke up that last time, that was the right thing to do. And yeah. like everything that I did and became and explored and experienced after that, I I needed. It was all great. Yeah. You know, and I think the point that had we reconnected later and gotten back together. I think that that could have worked. Like that's an option. It definitely could have worked. And I think that it would have. I needed that time though. Like I definitely needed that time. We should not have like gotten serious, gotten together when I wanted to. Right. So yes, I think that I that needed to end when it ended. That was very important for my growth, for my experiences. And I, I think that there was a lot of, of wisdom there, even if some of his reasoning was um, something that he needed to actually process himself. He was projecting certain things onto me that sure. I wasn't feeling or saying or asking right. for. And, you know, that has to be acknowledged what's, too. But everything obviously turned out how it was supposed to. Yeah. What sort of successes, um, challenges did that experience with him set you up for in the time after that? relationally or just in general? Well, we're talking about sexuality. So generally that, I mean, I think, I think the challenges are, I got spoiled. Uh, I think most like former virgins from the church who don't have any kind of sexual experience have no connection to their body or what they want. Like for me to have my second sexual partner was someone who was extremely experienced and generous. I had incredible sex. Like I'm not going to lie. And so then to kind of try and go back into the dating world after being (laughs) with someone for such a long time, I mean, he was 40 and I would go back and try to date like 25 year olds and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And I was like, Oh, this is terrible. Like, this is not great. And so there was a little bit of a letdown, but that was very key in me learning how to speak up for myself, how to ask for what I needed, how to give direction. There was a lot of trial and error and I'm grateful. Uh, you know, I don't want to say this in a way that makes women feel like they, like they're doing something wrong if they can't do this. I want to be very clear that personality wise, like who I am as a human being, I'm very direct and I'm not afraid to ask for things. And, and I know that's very intimidating for some people. And so I, I want to, to respect that and to validate that. But for me, it was a very empowering 
kind of journey that I went on afterwards where I was like, hey, I spent almost three years having baller sex where I orgasmed often and got what I asked for and I'm not here to dig around. So like, if you want to have sex with me, you need to learn how to show up and like, have good sex with me. Like I'm not down for mediocre or bullshit. Like that's not you kind of became the teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had this really good. hilarious experience of being like a cougar, but like in a young girl's body where I was like, let me, <laughs> I'm like, let me tell you how this that's should awesome. go. And so I would like to think that every man I gifted my body to, uh, <laughs> learned several things that are still benefiting them in their relationships. Now that makes me smile. If I think about that as a possibility. <laughs> Do you feel like, because uh, again, I just think this is so important. I know you both do too. Do you, did you, did you already start to put together that sexuality was outside the bedroom also? And did that come up in those future relationships with these young guys? So I, I don't think I had the language to, yeah, to yeah. say that. So I don't yeah. think I had the language or the awareness, but I knew like my body knew, <laughs> like I knew. And yeah. so I think that I wouldn't have been able to name it or tell anyone that, but yeah. I, that was the struggle for me up until I left home was the sense that my sexuality, that creative, erotic, playful, like poignant energy touches everything. And when you shut off like this expression or this cultivation of that energy, yeah. it shuts off other things. And I couldn't explain that to anyone, but I felt mm -hmm. it on such a deep level because I felt so, I felt so repressed and dry and like, you know, just wanting, I, I just had this deep like starvation that I felt like I couldn't fill mm. for such mm. a long time. Mm. But can you and, explain that again? You're talking about when you shut sexuality off, it affects other things. Yeah. Like before okay. I, before I started this venture, like that gotcha, feeling gotcha. that something was wrong with me because I was being criticized and punished for having this energy that I wasn't actually exploring or expressing. Yeah. That's sweet, I sweet felt Jezebel like, spirit. Right. I felt, <laughs> I felt so stuck and I literally like I moved out of my parents' house very shortly after turning 18 and there was like a big riff, like with my mom and, you know, she was very upset about it for such a long time. And I remember trying to explain to her that I felt like if I didn't leave, I was going to die like physically. And that sounds really like dramatic. And especially if you're like 18 year old, it's like, I gotta get out of here. I'm going to die. But like, I, I still can, I can remember that, like that pit and that like suffocating, like I'm being suffocated. I can't speak. I can't act. I can't do anything. I felt immobilized. I felt like I was cornered and the only way out was to climb the wall. Like I just had to go up and go out or I wasn't going to survive. Interesting. A couple of things that are coming to my mind. I mean, I think you, you were nailing everything that we were talking about. Not everything. I got, well, I met my husband kind of early, but you know, I did my best. <laughs> uh, well, the idea that you, you knowing you were intuiting that it's all connected. Mm -hmm. you, you've probably have seen the Ted talk by Esther Perel talking about, yeah. um, the three universal, what does she call it? The three universal like traits of desire. The thing that they're the three common things that all cultures, all religions have in creating lifelong desire. And I'll, and I'll, you know, name them for Daniel and, re, and a reminder to everybody else. Like one is, one is novelty. Like we need new experiences. 
We need to see new things. We need to experience new things. And so novelty doesn't mean like a dildo in a bedroom necessarily. It means like seeing new places, trying new foods, like just this, the, the excitement of newness. The second thing she talked about was distance, like actually having mm-hmm. yeah. some Distance some makes the heart grow place. fonder. Right. Turns out that's right. true. Yes. <laughs> and for Christians in particular, or for, I don't know, any probably religious group, like there's so much weight attached to your spouse. Like they have mm-hmm. to be your best friend. They have yeah. to be your confidant. They have to be your lover. Uh, they've got to be your business partner. They've got to be a co-parent. Like that's crushing. That is a crushing amount of stuff for anyone to fill in, fill in for somebody. Oh, yeah. Like gross. Yeah. Ugh, ugh. And, yeah. Then, and then the last one is um, to see your partner in their element, like to mm. see your partner at the top of their game, doing whatever is like the realest version of themselves. Yeah. And, and we see, I mean, Morgan, and I've been married coming up on 13 years now, my second marriage and those are all true. And we started to understand this experience. It's probably eight, eight years ago or something. I woke up like this. I woke up turned on because that's what my body does. And I'm, I'm like, what, you know, oh, like the lights, you know, like the daylight's coming through here. And I just said out loud, how can we have sex today? That's a great question. <laughs> How can we have sex today? Not right now. How can we yeah, have sex but today? Today. What, what would make that happen for you? What today. So she's like, <laughs> she goes, well, I would really like the house to be vacuumed and cleaned and for there to be no bills sticking out of the bill drawer. And for, you know, she just started like listing Honey, all do this list. stuff. Yeah. And like, I like f- fucking super Mario brother out of the bed. She's also, she's also expressed. She's like telling you her, which you probably already knew. But for me, if I heard that, it'd be like, she's telling you her language too. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. not acts like it's service. a barter. She's saying acts, acts of, of service. service is yeah, what I love. That's going to get me going. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we started calling it all day foreplay and, and this idea that, that it all goes together. Everything is a part of it. And we, we are thrilled when, you know, some of those elements aren't necessary, but, but it is necessary. The erotic energy needs to be built all day long in all kinds of different ways. And we need to pull it in from outside of ourselves, from outside of our spouse, from outside of our connection together. We need to pull it in from how our environment is being kept. We need to pull it in from taking care of ourselves, from taking care of our mental, spiritual health. And when all of those elements are taken so that we are in our element, right? So that when we, we experience each other, our spouse is seeing like us in our, in our game and we see them in their game. Like that's exciting. That's erotic. And can, go ahead. No, please finish. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's, I just expounding on all that. It's, it's, it all matters. Well, can I share something with both of you? Yeah. Okay. I've kind of been going. <laughs> She's okay, like, yeah, definitely wrong. Just... <laughs> Kristen, can I share something with you? You can share something with me, Daniel. Thank you for asking. Cons- consent is sexy. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I've even in this discussion has crystallized. This is one of the reasons I absolutely adore speaking to people through this medium and in general 
but uh, to have a le- you know, level of professionalism and someone who's committed their life so much to this, it's just, it's a gift really. Um, and I've been experiencing something recently that has really brought balance and, and eased tensions that I think were affecting, you know, my life, past relationships. And that's the, that thing that that's kind of been a theme when we're talking about where it is, the sexuality is not just in the bedroom. It's not just at that time. It's in the rest of the day. There's the other aspect of that, that I have been realizing um, recently because I pretty, as Ronald and I have spoken about, I've been inviting women into my life in a lot of different ways. At first it was more just sexuality. And then I realized, Oh, you know, there's much more to that. I need from this uh, energy, this feminine aspect of myself in the world that is it's all been placed into sexuality or romance. And really I want and need nurturing and I need support. So I started inviting, you know, all aspects, platonic, familial, reaching out to mothers and grandmothers and kids and, and just bringing women into my life. It's been an underrepresented um, Mm -hmm. aspect. You know, I've lots of father figures. You get the point. Yeah. As I've done that and also having been blessed to have learned, you know, from people like Ronald that, uh, that sexuality is not just in the bedroom. Well, in through the romantic, uh, through cultivating romantic uh, relationships and knowing that rom- that sexuality is not just in the bedroom, I started cultivating how to treat uh, people better. You know, women in that case, but then that goes to more pe- other people and just people in general, which was nice. But what I also found is that in relationship, I've had a couple of long-term relationships in the last few years that have I've, I've just been totally amazing. A lot of awareness around sexuality with both those partners, a lot of allowance, a lot of conversation. Well, I noticed that that the things that I would do outside of the bedroom that were still connected to our sexuality were also things that I could do uh, I could do appropriately with with other women. Mm-hmm. in the world and that sometimes there would be a little sexual sexuality expressed there and so it kind of diversified my sexuality and it didn't all feel like it was in one person i was yeah. able to relax in a relationship more mm. it's just been it's changing yeah. my life this conversation mm. i love that and i i love the intentionality with which you have been inviting aspects of the feminine in from mm-hmm. different places to kind of to, to nourish and round out and heal your own masculine. I think that's really beautiful. I think that everybody can, can benefit from that. Just like you don't need, and I, I want to put this out there because I think some people, uh, yes, I'm a feminist. My brand of feminism is um, very different than a lot of the, the mainstream feminism that's going on out there. But I deeply believe that the, the feminine, you can get too much feminine. You know, you can get so much feminine that everything is just kind of like this swirly, unfixed, wild, like destructive, you know, like it can, it can get very Uh, wild. And uh, there was actually a a visual that I really like to use where there's a lot of different ones where it's like, oh, the feminine is the ocean. Like it's powerful. And sometimes it's very calm and serene. And sometimes it's like messing shit up (laughs) and she, but she is glorious and stunning and no one, you know, everyone wants to be near her. Everyone wants to be touched by her. Everyone wants to find a way to safely engage with her without being like drowned. And then the masculine is the beach. 
Like that beach is always there. Like there's, you can't find an ocean without a beach and it, the beach sometimes goes out further. And sometimes it comes way the fuck back when she's like on a tear, but like the beach is always there. There's no ocean without beach. And so when you think about that, not in the terms of male and female, but in the terms of masculine and feminine, which every person has inside of them, Mm -hmm. I think that is, that's a really profound truth that we aren't taught. A lot of us aren't taught that. That's not, that's not terminology that, that we get to use. And so I love that. And I also like what you touched on because, um, Ron and I actually talked a little bit about this when he was on my podcast not too long ago about that exchange of erotic energy outside of partnership and about how that can be an area to play and revitalize, to pour into the individual so that you can take that energy back into your relationship where, like it or not, things get a little fucking stale every now and then when you're like sitting on the couch night after night, having farts pass beside you and like doing laundry and brushing teeth. And like, you can kind of lose the sexy if you, if you let it, but an, an easy way to get that back is to allow that energy to allow someone to see you with fresh eyes and interact with and call out that playful energy. It kind of reminds you that it's there and then you can turn around and take it back home with you. And of course, I'm not talking about running out and like getting wild. I'm talking about having adult conversations with your partner, talking about boundaries, talking about what's okay. Like my husband and I, we're cool with flirting. We're like, flirting is fine. You know why? It turns me on because she wants something that I have. Like that's, it's primal. It it makes me hot for him. Like I'm, if I see a girl, you know, she's like flipping her hair and like talking about his tattoo and like asking questions. I'm like, Oh, she wants to get a piece of that. And he's going home with me. Like that's (laughs) awesome. And you know, and he feels the same way. Like he's not a characteristically jealous person. And so that helps. He's not like a rage freak, but he also, you know, he gets a kick out of seeing guys like notice me. Cause you know, you forget, you forget when you're, you're married to a hot person and you see them all the time and you normalize their hotness and then you kind of take it for granted. And then you get out in the wild and you see other people seeing them and you're like, Oh shit. And it like reminds you like flips the switch for you. And Ron, you were kind of talking about something that made me think of this. It's like that moment when you were talking about space, like time and space away helps even like a day. Like I remember it would be a day. Mike's been at work. Mike is my husband. He's been at work all day and we would have an event that night. And instead of him coming home, we were going to meet there. And so I would like get ready on my own. I would like pick out my own stuff and like put on my tunes, like get jazzed up and get ready. And I would drive and I would meet him there, which is not something that we would normally do because we're a couple now. So we do everything together. We go everywhere together. (laughs) And so I get there and I walk in the door and it's, it's that moment of separation where I see him across the room. Mm-hmm. And instead of seeing like my husband, I see Mike, like I mm-hmm. see Mike, like I saw Mike the first time, like seven years ago, like he's so fucking cute. And he's like hanging out and like laughing. And like, he's got, he's like swilling his whiskey in one hand and just like eat, like holding court because <laughs> he's an extrovert. So he's got mm-hmm. a trillion people around him who he's just met, but they're all going to swear that they're like best friends now. And he's just like chatting and everybody's laughing at his jokes. And I'm like, look at that sexy motherfucker. And I just get like this little glimpse of this guy that I was initially attracted to from all of the, the primal physical things before I even knew that he was a fucking 10, like on every other realm. And it just, it's like a refresh. It's like a little mini reset. And I was only away from him for like eight hours, but it's so easy if you're intentional about it. It's so easy to kind of call back those things that you love about your partner. 
Reminds have, me a little bit like a sorry, Ron. Uh, yeah, like a, just, this will be quick. Like a romance hack, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you have so many tricks, like both of you, like that. But drive separately, you know. Ha- mm-hmm. Arrive early, you know. That, yeah. That's a good idea. Actually, get ready for a date. Like you're like they haven't seen you a million times. Like shave your leg above the knee. Like <laughs> like you're actually <laughs> planning on getting some. You know. Like do things oh. that make you feel sexy things that made you feel like you were about to take charge of your destiny when you went out to meet so-and-so, you know, back when you were in your single days. And that is something I, I wanted. I didn't want the conversation to end without me bringing up. And that was that, that my, my, uh, my pilgrimage as it were is an experience that was so necessary and so empowering for me, but because of how I grew up and because of all of the shame and stigma, particularly around women, you know, having sex, being sexually active, high, having a high sex drive. These are things that typically would result in societal slut shaming. And so there were a lot of stories and things that I wouldn't, I would never tell anybody because I didn't feel like it would be celebrated. It would be frowned upon. But those experiences were all overwhelmingly very positive. Like I successfully in my early 20s, I had a myriad of sexual encounters, some of them like multiple times, some of them relationships, some of them once, you know, and they were all, there was a consciousness to all of them. I wasn't just out like partying. I was not intoxicated. Most of those, like they were all people that I wanted to sleep with and people that I, you know, had a good experience with. Like they were all respectful of me. They were all willing to take feedback and like do other things. Like it was a very empowering for me as a woman to feel like I was in control of all of those situations. That was immensely healing for me and was a really important part of my journey. And a lot of people don't even feel like they can share something like that. That is such a, I think that point about a woman understanding and maybe any person, any person who's come out of a, uh, an oppressive culture, religious, religious in particular, but oppressive culture around sexuality, they have to know that they are safe that they have power, agency over their own sexuality, over their own bodies, the tools, the communication to learn how to drive that thing, how to navigate that world, to create the boundaries that are that that foster consciousness. We we could talk another three hours about that <laughs> that importance, and that Absolutely. is that is so 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 important. And the cool thing is, once you understand that, once you understand that the power is in your own hands and can be in your own hands. Sex, like for you, became a very healing experience, a very empowering experience. And that can continue on. It can just keep going. And you are, you are the living proof of that. You are, you are taking what was a source of fear, guilt, and shame for you. And now you are, you, you judo that thing to the ground. You, uh, sorry, both of he and I are like, <laughs> terrible martial arts. I, I judoed it. I gutted it in the field. <laughs> I, whatever like manly thing. I did that. I totally did that. <laughs> uh, and, and you are now helping others. You are totally helping others. And that's, well, let's walk that back real quick, just for fun. Yeah. What's another thing we could say there? Good question. Let's talk about 
to oh with the the gutted the Jeter I don't know there's, yeah because I've noticed that the law is like we murdered it we killed it we <laughs> slayed it and it's like what's what's let's soften that language a little bit just if you if you'll indulge me what's oh what's, I what's, love what's the word option? alchemize I alchemized my experiences mm. into something I turned my poison into a potion like a medicine potion like I was able to that's the feminine coming out for you it's, good. it's like I I like that's the so thought of taking something in its raw like twisted you know maybe non desirable state and and working it through until it becomes something you know beautiful or meaningful that's there's the the creatress creatrix part of me that really enjoys that and and my journey i also want to say this my journey is not everybody's journey like everyone is not going to come to the place of empowerment and embodiment the way that i did and a big part of my work is just helping people figure out what their own brand of embodiment and empowerment look like. For a lot of women, they had a, a lot of sex from a place of like fear or they were like looking for love and acceptance and it, it wasn't empowered. They were accepting things that they didn't necessarily want in order to try and grasp after something that they really did want. And it didn't feel good for them. And it left them feeling like sex was, was, dangerous or not safe. And so there is something very empowering about reclaiming your own body as well. Like I could work with a woman one minute who I am encouraging her to take charge of her sexual experiences and to open up and to embrace the sacred slut archetype. And then there are other women who I am supporting in taking sex off the table while they heal their relationship to their Mm -hmm. body, to consent, to respect, like all of these things. It's creating embodied safety within ourselves, no matter what that looks like. That's really good. I love that. I mean, part of the, part of what I was thinking when you were asking to soften that up is the, is the humor that we, that we, well, it's not humor. It's not funny at all. The, we associate weakness with like the word pussy. Yeah. Right. Like we use the word pussy as like uh, a derogatory meaning that you're not strong. You're a weak and and then you say you have balls, yeah. you know, to, to and it well, the funniest thing is like they couldn't be more opposite. Oh, more like, opposite. <laughs> you can bring a man to his knees by grabbing him by the balls. Just a thump, like, just a thump she, of the balls. <laughs> she, she takes a lot, man, and she's fine. She's still standing. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, I mean, and 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 pussy being, you know, the the vulva, the vagina, like the whole thing, like pushed a nine pound baby out of mine without any medication. So like, <laughs> yeah. you tell me if that sounds like weakness to you. So what did you push out? What, what did the guy push out? out? Not yeah. much. Not a damn thing. Feel Except bad a at big all. turd, really like, <laughs> yeah, not much. <laughs> coming, coming back to um, those three elements of, of the erotic power mm-hmm. and desire. Morgan and I, we like stumbled on this 12 years ago on accident. And, and I think Morgan had always kind of intuitively felt a lot of this stuff. And we had gotten um, a windfall of money in our earliest part of our relationship. And of course, because we're heeding this to the core, we're like, let's go to Italy now. Yes. And we uh, booked our tickets, but Morgan was like, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go a couple of days ahead of you and you are going to come separately and, and then our brain, like our little, like the wheels started turning and I was like, and let's meet at Trevi Fountain. Actually, I think mm-hmm. that was her idea. I'll be the one in the flower. 
<laughs> so she, so we did. So like she went there, I went to New York, hung out with my cousin, New York city. We flew separate. I, you know, she had left a, um, the key to the hotel room at the front desk. And so I like, you know, in the, in Rome, like this is happening the, by the minute, yeah. right? <laughs> it's all very illicit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I got my uh, key. I went to the room. She had left a video message for me, which wasn't sexual, but it was very erotic. Like it was powerfully erotic. I took a shower. I put on a nice suit. I went to the tobacco, tobacconist, whatever they call it in Italy. I bought a pack of cigarettes, walking around Rome in a nice suit, smoking cigarettes, like lost as a goose, just completely lost. I had no idea how to find Trevi Fountain. And somehow I just ended up there. Like I just found it. And in those days, this was before the age of the selfie stick, before the age of the influencer. It's just tourists. It wasn't people like trying to get the perfect shot which is what it is now. Yeah. And, and Morgan was in her element. She was beautiful. She had her giant camera, which was filmed back then. And she would, you know, she'd gone to school to be a photographer and she was there just like enjoying it. And, and we sat there for a while. I smoked a few cigarettes just watching her. And and ever so gently over the moments, getting closer and closer to her, to where I was finally like behind her, like a couple of people, and and there was such a fun experience watching her finally turn around and see me, and of course the erotic energy for the rest of the trip was like super high, whether we were having sex or not, it was just this whole deal, and and that is something that even when we're on the couch trading farts, like we're in the back of my mind going, both of us, how are we really being the best version of ourselves so that we're experiencing life the way we really want to experience it? Mm-hmm. Not so that I can have better sex with her, but, but so that I'm enjoying it all. I'm enjoying like every last bit of juice and dropping sweetness and excitement and love and wonder. And so that when my wife does experience me, when she does see me, that, that wears off, you know, not wears off. It rubs. It's like, it's there. It's there because I know my wife, my partner isn't excited about somebody who's not excited about life. Yeah. She wants a turned on person. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean in the sexual way. Yeah, I mean like turned on, like lit up. Lit you up. Know? Exactly. Yeah. And also as someone like who's not married, it it's like how can a person do that for themselves mm-hmm. and individually? Because there's a few things I it sounds like you're doing there, Ronald. You stopped the momentum of what you just do, which is you fly together to the place and you do the thing. Um, just like with your date with your husband where you went separately. And it's just getting it sounds like to me stopping the momentum get also getting creative and using some tools, but like all the simple ones, right. Dress a little nicer, um, self-care like Ronald. I know you've been going through a pretty kind of a, a threshold of treating yourself better and being kind to yourself, which as I've said before on this, even on, in these discussions, it literally shows like you, you essentially, you, you come off as treating yourself kinder and valuing yourself more 
and showing that through specific acts that, and like you said, you're like hedonistic. So you're like, oh, he always takes care of himself. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Like you're getting specific and being kinder to yourself, you know? And I, that's very inspiring and, and uh, not inspiring. It's just very validating and, and encouraging and supportive to, to myself too. Um, anyways, I appreciate that. Kristen, yeah. as before we wrap this up, I want you to think about the woman you want to serve the most wherever she is. She might be in a relationship that feels like it's fizzled out. She might be under a mountain of fear, guilt, and shame from her religious experience. She doesn't know who she is, period. And she really doesn't. And she feels so separated from her erotic power and for her, from her erotic energy. And if you could tell her like one thing right now, that would speak directly into like the, the pain in her life that is really separating her from being able to live fully in her full feminine, still ocean, crashing waves, high tide, low tide. I love that analogy, by the way. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Like, what would you want to say to her so that she knows there's a way out, that there's resources to be had, and that, and again, I thank you for this next metaphor, that the alchemy can, can transform the worthless thing into the most valuable thing. Mm. That is a loaded question if I've ever heard one, but I really, I love it. And I think my answer, it's pretty simple and it's very along the lines of what we've just spent the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes talking about. And that's really the first thing I want to do when I work with a woman is, is reacquaint her Mm. with her power and remind her that she actually is in charge. Even if she feels like life is running her right now, even if she feels, you know, all the elements you were talking about, she feels like she's underneath of those. It's reminding her that first of all, it, your wife, who is also a mentor of mine, um, says this all the time, it all belongs. Mm -hmm. So like every, everything that's going on, it actually all connects. And this piece, this sensual, creative, nurturing, like womanly piece that you either feel connected to or not, like that really is the center of the entire life that you crave. And so if you feel disconnected from that piece, the first thing you have to do is, is reclaim your power in whatever way is available to you right now. And that can feel so huge, but the ways in which we shift things can be very micro, but have macro results. And one of my favorite exercises to use with women early on the journey is it's another Esther Perel special and it is her practice and it's, I turn myself off when, yeah. because a lot of us feel in yeah. relationship, we're tired, especially if you're mom, especially if you're trying to work and there's all these different dynamics that are stealing from your erotic energy all day long. It can be very easy to say, oh, if my husband would only pursue me more, or if I only had more time for X, Y, and Z, and it's a very outside of ourself, um, like, oh, the house being dirty turned, like I'm, I'm not turned on because of this, or like, he doesn't do this and Mm -hmm. X, Y, and it takes it all away from you. It it takes you off the hook. There's no responsibility on you. And 
I encourage women like from a place of empowerment to take responsibility for some of the things that are turning you off, not only to your relationship, to your body, but to your life. And so going down this list and saying, you know, for example, some small ones might be, I turn myself off when I don't shower for three days and I begin to get a bit of a smell. I turn myself off when my hair is like starting to get that greasy appearance and it's like not really flowing and laying in a great way. I turn myself off when I wear unstructured clothing too many days in a row. Um, Bigger ones, I turn myself off when I get stuck in that negative spiral and I start nitpicking my body to death and criticizing myself. I turn myself off when... I find myself sucked into gossiping about someone who has something that I want, but Mm. it feels holier and like more satisfying to talk about all the things that are wrong with them instead of just acknowledging that they're like sparking this kind of jealousy in me that directly points to a desire that I don't have. Mm. And it's, it's things like that, that enable you to quickly flip it around and you realize that you have the power to reconnect and re-engage and turn yourself on by switching any of these things, by just reversing any of these things. Because when I want to say, you know, my, my husband hasn't been doing X, Y, and Z. And so I haven't been feeling very sexual. If I can take that and I can flip it around, yeah. I start intentionality. That was the thing that I wanted to say when both of you were talking, mm. the through line is intentionality. When I become intentional about showing up for myself and investing in myself when I shower and when I put on clothes that I like, when I dab on a little perfume because I like it, because I like how it smells. I show up differently energetically and my husband responds to my energy. And that can be applied to any situation. And so whether you are partnered or not, the the big thing here is recognizing that you actually have more power than you think you do. And that a little bit of intentionality can really shift how you're showing up in your life because how you show up in your life is how you attract relationship. It's how you attract money. It's how you attract all of these different things. And so it's, it's continuing this theme that we've been talking about how, you know, sex, the smallest part of sex and sexuality is the bedroom. The smallest part of sexuality is the actual deed. And I constantly talk about how, we have two sexual relationships. We have the relationship with a partner if we choose to, and we have the relationship with ourself. And yeah. that that's a full-on combo for another time. But it's important to invest in both because they feed each other. Just like, you know, empowering yourself, making decisions, determining what turns you on and what turns you off, and yeah. then giving yourself those things, that's going to flip the whole dynamic of being, you know, out of control on its head. That is beautifully said. Thank you for sharing all that. How can we find more more out about you? Where can we find you? What are you doing? What projects are you working on? Tell us everything about what you want us to hear. Mm, All of the things. Well, kristenhenke.com is my website and you can read about me there. My about me section is very colorful. So you can go and learn a couple things and it should tell you pretty quickly if we're going to be a love match or not. So I try to make that process easy. (laughs) And then I, you know, at the moment I enjoy hanging out on Instagram, though the increased, um, censorship that's been happening over there is definitely a challenge for sex educators and sexuality (laughs) professionals. But I 
am really committed to continuing finding loopholes and doing this work. So I do enjoy being there. I'm at Kristen.Henke. You guys can find me, DM me there. I check and respond to all of my messages. So if you want to just connect for a, a casual hang, I am down. Um, I also have a podcast. It's the Nothing Confidential podcast, which has done really well. And I'm really excited about the second season coming soon. And we talk all things this all the time. It's all about normalizing topics that are shameful, stigmatic, et cetera, that should not be. And I was I listening was, to yeah. one today. I said that you oh, just thanks. reached 10,000 downloads or something. It's over 11 now. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's a, it's the little engine that could, I launched that thing two weeks before I gave birth to a physical child and it has been <laughs> so supported and I am so grateful. And I had no concept of how it would do and it has really done great. And I'm really um, excited. I'm bringing on a really dear friend and, and colleague, um, Joe Encarnacion is a, is a, my work wife and she, we're, she's coming on as my official co-host for season two. So it's going to get even more real and wonderful. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. You can get to me through either of those channels ask questions and chat. And I'm about to release a couple of things. Um, Shameless Woman Society is coming. That's going to be my my small group, kind of what I was talking to you about. Yeah. It's my small group pod. It's seven women, and I'm only offering it two times a year. And this is where we spend six months together doing exactly what we've done on this call, where we take each layer for what it is one by one, and we work through and we look at how each of those things integrates and impacts different areas of our being that all end up you know, in the sexual realm and in the creative realm and connecting women back to their power and back to their bodies and back to their intuition and back to their erotic energy. And when I talk about erotic energy, it's that energy of creation. It's that energy of being lit up and being your most authentic, sparkly, mesmerizing self. So that's, that is it. I think that, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's a graceful way to get off this train. <laughs> <laughs> jump, just jump on the train. <laughs> just jump. And Chris, the end. <laughs> yeah. Kristen, you are, uh, you're the real deal. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know that coming from the same culture or similar culture you did, um, it's easy to come out and just say, fuck all that and yeah. fuck all those people. And I'm out of here. And it's also easy to, to just, jump into a world of hedonism that's just for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, like even if you were an integrated, healed sexual person, which I hope everyone is, like you could just say, this is just for me, but you're, you haven't. You said, I want to mm-hmm. share this. I want to help people through this g- journey into wholeness, journey into feminine wholeness, journey into healing. And that is a beautiful thing. The world needs you. A lot of women need you. A lot of men need you because of what you're doing out there. So thank you for what you do. Thanks for coming to uh, speak to us and sharing your success with us and sharing your wisdom. Um, I was trying to describe you to Daniel before we came on. I was like, she just seems older and wiser than she is. And you like, you know, you nailed it with all that stuff. And that is beautiful. So it's a cool thing to witness this in you and to, to speak about it with you. I, I hope we get to talk more, uh, as the m- weeks and months and years go by, uh, and just check in, you know, intermittently. Uh, but what you're doing is, is you're a force for good and that's beautiful. And I love all the oceanic energy you're bringing 
<laughs> more please i wanted to be a marine biologist as a young man and now i totally oh, understand why that makes sense <laughs> it makes perfect sense well thank you for all of your kind words and i am always grateful for the space to just have honest conversations that's where the healing happens my favorite quote is one by ann voskamp and it's shame dies when stories are told in safe places and yeah. that is that is the basis of the podcast and all of the work that I do is about creating those safe spaces for people to connect over these shared stories and experiences. And I'm really grateful. That's what you guys are doing with this podcast. And I am excited to be a part of it. Your vision is incredible. And Ron, I'm very grateful for what you're doing with men. Like you can't, the rise of the feminine isn't sustainable without healing the masculine. And that you know, that works both ways. So really deeply grateful for what you're doing as well. And Daniel, it's been fun to hang out and get to know you. I would love to get to know you more. I do have to say that Daniel's been killing me with his silent laughs because he will laugh, but he doesn't do it out loud. And so it sounds like I'm the only one laughing at my joke, but Daniel thought they were funny too. If you saw the video, you would know. (laughs) You know, I have, I have more questions for you about where you are in your journey. And I hope we talk again. Yeah, really we can do. do a part two anytime. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. All right. Well, we'll do Thank that. You. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, guys. Bye. This is the Field Dressing, where we unpack today's conversation with Kristen Hankey. Is it a sex? I'm going to mess it up. If I say sex coach, I'm going to jack that up. shit shit there's worse things you could have said i know i know a woman who coaches another uh, all kinds of women through sexual wholeness into sexual wholeness and man she like killing it she's incredible i love her energy her wisdom and her experiences uh i've been following her for a while i've known her for a little bit and have been on her podcast before and she's she is um She's the real McCoy and it's really rad to see it. And it's in one way sad that this is a necessary job and service that she's providing. And in, and in another, it's incredible that there's this kind of resource now. I, I think if you were to even go back five, 10 years, this would have been, you know, it didn't exist. It just didn't exist. Um, it's rad to see her in this space. what do you think of this conversation today? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking something similar because, you know, I think she's so young, you know, you're so young. I'm so like, we're, we've got decades, you know, to, to do work and and you and her particularly, you're already decade, two decades in, whatever you are, you know, it's not like you're, yeah. you're just starting. And just to think of the, the, all the work and the knowledge and understanding and experience that she'll have to pass on as another year, two years with doing podcasts and just being so, I mean, it's one of the joys of what's going on in the world right now in general is just so many people pouring themselves into things at such a what what i think of is just such a young age and there's just so much potential um just massive amounts of time yeah. I mean, you know there's yeah. much you can get done in a decade it's just silliness yeah what did you think of this conversation coming you you weren't raised religious you know you you what was that like? What was that experience like for you with with sexuality and 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 kind of maybe even looking at the Christian culture in particular with our weird kind of guardedness around sexuality? What was your what was your experience both as a young man and also like kind of witnessing what you've seen us talk about today? 
Yeah, I appreciate the question. It crossed my mind many times because I actually was curious if she or you, you know, is it you pretty much only work with people who have Christian um, uh, coming from a place where Christianity has not supported? Because yeah. I don't want to demonize Christianity. I right, know neither right. you do either. It's yeah. like Christianity is a, is just like any other, in my opinion, religion or mythology. Um, it's very valuable, very true. And yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot, it supports a person's psyche through this world and, and their spirit and their mind. And, and it, it's a wonderful thing. In my opinion, it's just often abused or, yeah. or, yeah. or it abuses the version of it abuses. And yeah. so, but with that said, you know, we're in a Christian society. So yeah. to some extent I have been raised Christian. Hmm. Um, so it, it's just a little bit more of a potent, the verbiage is a, yeah substantially more intense. And, you know, um, I, I guess my, my point with that is I think maybe people like myself and people in general, just in general, have a lot of what you you both are talking about. Mm -hmm. And I don't even want to say to a lesser degree in the sense of fear, guilt, and shame around their sexuality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 not even maybe in a more of a sneakier degree almost huh. it's almost like if it's really intense you get on it and you're like fuck that yeah and you're out you know yeah. kind of like what she did i mean not that she did it that quickly but it was right. like right. she kind of was like bartered for a little while and then she was like well fuck it you know yeah well well if you don't have that then it just kind of lingers with you and now you're in your 30s and you know into your 40s and 50s and maybe you still have you still have this corrosion, you know, of mm-hmm. fear and shame and guilt. You don't really even know it's there. It's just your yeah. identity. And I think that that I would have, I would like to ask her about that too. When you, when you don't have that verbiage around it and you don't have mm-hmm. that clear, this is what did it. And it's just kind of there and maybe yeah. you don't even know about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question to answer your question about, do I work with people outside of Christian? Yeah, I totally do. I'd say about half. Um, yeah. And, and, and I don't know what, what, what percentage of Americans or Christians, I don't know, but I, I do know that it's the same, you know, and I, and I, and I think I was trying to say this during the conversation that Christians or religious people, we actually act the exact same. Like it, it, it's not that our actions are that much different. It's that we have different meaning to those same actions. Yeah. And we have the same propensities to, to numbing out the way everybody else does. We have the same propensities to, to the same addictions, to the same desires. We have, we, it's all the same. We just have different meaning, a different lens through which we interpret what that means. And, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad, right? Like when it's good, like the, the act of love or forgiveness is incredible. We see it as a cosmic event when it's bad, we see, you know, we see a very normal situation, like, like the desire for sexuality, having sex with someone, sharing something sexually with someone as a, as a bad thing. And, and what she and I are doing is just unwrapping the meaning from that and giving it new meaning. One of the other things that she was on was, was creating consciousness about our sexual experience or sexual power, the erotic power, I love that she was taking that completely out of the bedroom and into how 
do I have domain? How do I have agency around this? I do the same thing with guys. And I, when you don't have, and I want to come back to a question I've got for you with this, you are, you're a really tactile individual. And one of what the, do you mean by that? You, you you move your body a lot. Like you, oh. like you're very, like you're, you are an athlete. You're a martial artist. You're also a really gifted dancer. And, and dancing is, um, you know, you and a, a, an older gentleman came over to our house and like, we're giving that my wife a great and I, day. Dude, that was <laughs> rad. You I have get, pictures you know, of that day. What was his name? The old guy? Jim, Jim Vale, 83 years young. Dude, Jim. Teaching dance lessons. He asks about you every time we get together. That I'm was not exaggerating. such a fun thing. That was such a fun thing. But <laughs> dance is like one of those things like we've lost as a culture, I, like I wanted ability. to ask her about yeah. dance because there. Can, can I just interject? Yeah, real quick? dude. Yeah, I wanted to ask her about that if she runs into that or uses that as a tool because I, when I was dating uh, um, and living with um, my partner Brenda, uh, ex partner Brenda, you know she is a world class blues dancer, swing dancer, partner mm-hmm. dancer, and she would we taught all over the world. I mean, I assisted her while she taught all over the world, and I. Um, and she told me one time, and she's very into her sexuality and cultivating it. She would take time aside for, uh, personal pleasure, um, and how to cultivate, um, you know, multiple orgasms and, and just get into her body more. And there was a lot of, it was a conversation around that between us. It was, it was a really nice experience talking, uh, being with her. And one of the things that she did around dance was she goes, Daniel, cause monogamy was something, um, that we were, we were practicing and, and I've never not practiced it, but we were, there's a discussion about yeah. open being open and we kind of were fleshing that out and curious about it and decided that wasn't something we wanted. But she said that it was enough for her to go to a dance, a blues dance in particular was pretty sexy dance, you know, yeah. it, yeah. it's consensually it's sensual and intimate and it's late at night and the lights are low and it's romantic yeah. and blues is just kind of yeah. like you root around in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she goes, she said the same thing Kristen did. She goes, I just like watching sexy, you know, women up on you. And, and I was uh, thankful to her. Um, mm-hmm. I was a good dancer. And so I was desirable to dance with and I followed and I led, which is another value of mine um, to do both of those things. And, uh, and so she said she just couldn't wait to get me home and that it created that polarity that mm. it was very helpful to her. I had a little bit more of a problem with that just because I was, I was less mature at that time, mm. but I can see now how that would work really well. And I was wondering if Kristen uses dance or if some of her, pe- her people ever considered going to dance because that could be a major tool in a relationship where you're not only flirting, but you're actually having consensual, safe um, sensual but platonic you yeah. know at the same time yeah I- intimacy yeah yeah got a couple dude i it makes Sorry, me want to load it on you there <laughs> no dude i love it it makes me want to like take dance lessons in secret for a while and because it's so powerful man it's like you know it's a superpower to be able to dance really it well it is one of the most important things in my life uh it, it is to be a, the confidence the delight the music, 
yeah. moving the body, health. It's not surprising to me that dance, dance instructors these days, at least in the blues and the um, swing dancing worlds, yeah. they very quickly get into other modalities that have to do with opening your body up, mm. sexuality, emotions. It's it's a massive uh, um, value of mine and interest in mine. Yeah. yeah. When back before Morgan and I were dating, when we were uh, going, we lived in the same city. Um, we were palling around in the same friend group. We would go out to a bar and, and there'd be like one like rooster dude at the bar on the dance floor. And who, who would just like rule the dance floor. He was the guy, you know, and he would, and he would like had his choice of whoever he wanted to dance with. And a couple times I saw them like pick her and she's a really good follower dancer, yeah. like very good. And, and watching that experience a few times, like with a few different folks, I was like, holy shit, that's badass. Like it's badass to watch the men do that. And it's badass to watch her be led so well. And you know, God, even, I- even back then it was super hot. I know you'll agree with this. What's even more badass to me and what's even more valuable is to watch the guy, man or woman, but I'm just talking about men right now, go out there, not know how to dance, confront on in public fear, shame. What's the third one you all talk about? Guilt. Fear, guilt, guilt, shame. Yep. Fear and shame for me and for men a lot to watch them because I've, I've played a, a role in the dance community in Portland for mm. several years. And you see people do what I did and they're like, I'm scared to do it. Um, I'm embarrassed. You know, uh, it brings up insecurity, all the same things that sexuality does. Yeah. And yeah. then you got to go onto the floor in front of the very people you want to impress yeah. and be terrible. Yeah. And, and Kristen, I'm sure could speak to this. You, that's an attractive quality. Yeah. And so, I hear you, man. Take the dance lessons in secret and then bust out and be really good. It'd be more badass to go be shitty in front of people, lead the way for others yeah. to do the same so they can confront all those, those emotions. Is and that then, a challenge, Daniel? What do you mean? Are you challenging me to go? go da- 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 <laughs> <laughs> Is this a dance Sounds off? like you just challenged <laughs> dance off. Who can dance be worse off. in front dance of the off. most? Like, yeah. No, nah, man, I think, yes, kind of. You know, for me, I challenge yeah. myself every time I go out there and, and learn solo dance and dance on your own. And anyways, I, martial arts is great. I love that all these men are going out and being martial artists and these women are going out and being martial artists. How about we get a bunch of women going to be martial artists and a bunch of men to go learn and dance? You know, I that, think that's that a really like- good idea. I think that's a badass idea. <laughs> and I'm actually considering like, how can I get into dance here? I actually don't even want to go with my wife. I just want to like get to the dance yeah, floor. It, good call. Yeah. Get out there just, and just uh, you, experience man. that. I wonder but if when I COVID, could, when yeah. COVID relaxes and I, I'm, I'm up there next, let's come with me. Okay. Okay. Well, is there a secret underground dance scene right now with the COVID? Is there like... Uh, like there's a, a little secret underground dancing. Yes, there is. <laughs> I love it. That's super hot. <laughs> I mean, people are... It's a very liberal... You know, when politics came in, it's a very liberal crew anyways. So there's, yeah. they're doing it safely, uh, but they're also just... Listen, dance is therapy to people. And oh. dance is part of their sexuality. Dance is part of their physical you know, their their physical therapy, mental, emotional, and people are suffering out there because they can't do it. Oh, I, I don't doubt that at all. And I, I think of the times I've been 
not only in Portland, but elsewhere and have like stumbled upon a dance group, like outside, like doing the tango or a waltz or whatever it might be and think, my God, that looks amazing. Like that's, that looks so fun for so many different reasons. Exactly. Oh yeah. my God. That's and, and all the shame and the fear, it gets in the body in the exact yeah. same way in sexuality as, wow. as far as I, uh, my estimation. Yeah. 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 Man, that's really interesting. I love that we stumbled across this. I want, actually, I should have asked you about it when we were talking, you know, when we were talking with Kristen, but it, I it, really, yeah. you know, as much as any po- podcast we've done so far, I really hope this is an ongoing discussion with, with not only Kristen, but others. I, yeah. when you, when you, when I was looking up this morning, who we were interviewing, um, I thought it was someone else who just you'd said, so I hadn't l- looked it up and I was wrong. And I, and I was just filled with this feeling and this understanding this knowing that this is a big value of mine and the interest of of mine and it's something i do practice you know individually but to continue that discussion it's something that's such a big part of your life you know it it could be a focus as as much as we wanted to on this because it's just so helpful yeah it really is and and you know my poor kids they have to hear their parents <laughs> who are like, we just got to give a shit about talking about it. Like we talk about sex really? so openly in the family. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Like, uh, can you, not an example, but you know, what do you mean? Like you'll talk about, I mean, we talk about, I mean, it's a, it's, let me say it's age appropriate. Right? Yeah. Like we, we're not like talking about our personal sex lives, but we don't deny erotic it, the we don't deny the existence of it you know like i think a lot of parents just like are like don't mention it don't talk about it um luca and i we were i had him <laughs> i i uh i go son uh i need you to come with me to the garage he's like what do you need help with i'm like we're gonna work on the car we're gonna clean the throttle body on the land rover come on and he's like just dragging his feet but on the way yeah. out there <laughs> on the way out there um he, I'm, I'm holding a tool in my hand and it was like a big long stick to hold open the, the hood of the Land Rover and I'm twirling it around like a martial artist and, and he's like, can I have that? And I go, nope. And he, and he grabbed it and I go, no means no. And, and he goes, and, and then he started rattling off all this like consent stuff, which was being drunk also means no, being passed out also means no. And, <laughs> and like going on and on and on. And he goes, and then the most confusing one of them all is actually no means no. <laughs> he, he said that. Yeah. 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 And he was, I mean, he was joking about it, but he was also, I love that he, at 14, he has a very strong arsenal understanding of consent yeah, and, seriously, that's pretty awesome that he said all that. Yeah, and and then that's because Morgan and I are really serious about that. We don't oh. know when that's going to be a thing for him. I don't, I have no idea. You know, it might already be. I have no clue. But I do want him to be. I want this conversation to be at the top of of his mind, so that he's empowered, so that he's like he's he has understanding, he's thoughtful, and uh, because. Like what Chris and I were talking about earlier, when when you're it's suppressed, you're not making your best decisions. The best decisions aren't being made when when it's, you know, when you're actually in the heat of a moment. So we talk about it. We talk about bodies. We talk about all that stuff with our kids, and it's and I do know I know it's age appropriate. I, you know, we talk about yeah. yeah it in a good way, in a healthy way, and and so much so that Luca has had friends like kind of just like say to us say to morgan and i like man i wish my parents talked to me the way you guys talk hmm. to luca nice. and 
and it's, you know, we take it seriously. We take it really seriously because the erotic part of our life is, is it belongs, man. It's, you know, every part of this all, it, it all belongs. And we don't want to deny any part of ourself. But and, you and haven't divided. And you haven't, um, being divided, huh? Um, you haven't t- like talked to him about when he's gonna have ha- if he has or. Um, I've asked him. Well, I won't. I won't get to too much of his personal life, but yeah, I've asked yeah, yeah. him like personal questions, and 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 I think every every kid kind of has their own awakening or whatever. So you just kind of like just t- touch in there a little little bit every once in a while, just to check in. Type. Of I thing. check in, but I also the uh-huh. basically the big messaging he's get from his mom and I is that the door is always open to to say to us whatever he needs to say, to ask us whatever he needs to ask. Yeah, and we're not going to push him uncomfortably into his own personal life. But the, but the resource of his parents who, who he is being told, love him no matter what, accept him no matter what are going to support him no matter what, like that's there. Like there's that safety net that's there. And, uh, you know, just from our own experiences, like we, we want parents who we want to be parents that we wish we had. And I, and that's also the understanding that, both our parents were doing the best they could with what they had. And yeah, and I appreciated that she said that and that you said that now too. Yeah. 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 So, uh, man, what a gift to get to do this. And I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about sex a lot uh, in Love the future. It. And, um, I'm grateful for Kristen today. And I sent her a voicemail right after this, just like that was amazing and, and can't wait to have her on and hopefully Joe on too. So that's it, everybody. Uh, do good, be well, foster your erotic power. Dudes, go nice. take some dance lessons. Yeah, man. take a lot of dances. Get really good at dance. Women, go take some <laughs> jujitsu lessons. <laughs> Everyone, do both. Do both. Do both. That's right. That's right. Daniel, I appreciate you, man. This Likewise, is not possible without you. And more, 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 more. All right, <laughs> awesome. Man. Adios. Yeah.